0: As we ask God to uh, help us in our understanding of Peter I'm pretty impressed with your um, results of that test By the way, I I didn't know Peter's father Um, There you go, so that's a new one, it's in John, whereabouts in John? I'm going to check it later, Rod Um, (laughs) Okay, there you go, well done, All right. Let's uh, let's pray then Father, we thank you for uh, your word to us today And we thank you that uh, you love us We thank you that you sent your son to die for us. Lord, we ask that you would um, guide our thinking, our hearts and minds. Help us to put your words into practice. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, how did you answer this question when you were a little tacker? When I grow up, I want to. Now, for me, it was a rock star. Actually, I still want to be a rock star, but that's sort of, maybe that's gone. I don't know. I still pretend. Um, what about you? Was it, a, was it a, a fireman? You know when you're a little, little guy, a little girl, you want to be something like that. A police woman maybe, a doctor, a teacher, a scientist maybe, I don't know. Uh, I do feel a bit sorry for the accountants. It's very rare that you speak to a young child and they want to grow up to be an accountant. <laughs> My father was an accountant. He sort of fell into it really. Um, <laughs> he was a good accountant. Actually, I'm wondering too whether, you know, many of us are still thinking, what will I do when I grow up? Um, I don't know. Who knows? I think in life there is that expectation, isn't there? There's an expectation that, that yeah, we grow up, you know, we're, we're, we, we change as we grow older. We don't keep on doing the same things we did when we were, uh, we were kids. It's a little, when we come across someone who's still playing with, and a grown-up who's still playing with children's toys... Yeah, it 's a little bit strange, um, I guess it depends on what toys they are. I was corrected in the last service few <laughs> people were taking the offense of that um, but you know what I mean you know we do we grow and change there is that expectation you know um, the same expectation is for people who follow Jesus that we grow we ought to be growing we 've already uh, heard in one Peter chapter two verse two that we may. Grow up in our salvation, Peter writes in the previous letter. In 2 Peter verse 1, today's passage, we write, or Peter writes, about Christians growing with increasing measure. That's in 1 verse 8. Growing with increasing measure, really, in our trust in Jesus, in in our most precious faith, we read in 1 verse 1. Great words, aren't they? And the growth ought to be something that we notice and that others notice. So... Challenging question for us all. Are you growing in your faith in trust in Jesus? And if not, why not? Why are you not growing? We're going to try to explore that a bit today and think about our growth in our trust in Jesus and living that out, uh, and maybe why not? Because it's actually a non-negotiable. If you're a follower of Jesus, we ought to be growing in our trust in him. uh, Even when we struggle even when it's hard, we ought to be growing. So today, as we hear God's word spoken to us through apostles and prophets, as God's spirit carried them along, uh, let's see that we indeed have everything we need for growth. Let's see too, let's examine the qualities of growth, we'll get to that. Uh, that's at least the Peter, what Peter mentions is the, the qualities of growth and let 's know the means of growth, so if you 've got your outline there's sort of our three headings really um, let 's think first of all about these, first, these verses in three and four, everything we need if you 're a parent of teenagers, a few of you here you you 've had this conversation I know you have Have you got everything you need? Have you got your shoes, your socks, your undies, your swimmers, your towel? Uh, your sun cream, your boots, your shorts—I don't know. I'm just making a list up here. Money. There's one. Have you got your phone? Do I need a Do I need a checklist? Do you have that sort of conversation? Um, I have that sort of conversation with at least two of our children. Um, one of them doesn't care. Um, uh, <laughs> if, if I said, if he or she forgets, <laughs> you can work it out. Um, that's okay. That's their personalities. But you have had that conversation here in verse three and four. We read that God has given us. Everything we need. Everything we need for what? Everything we need for life and godliness. Everything we need for growth. To keep going as a Christian, to grow as a Christian. Let's read verse 3. His divine power, God's power, has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. Who called us by his own glory and goodness. So we know that God has not only provided for us in his son's death and resurrection, calling us to himself. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's what God has done. But here we read that God has provided everything else for life and godliness. He continues to give us everything we need for us to be the people God made us to be, to live a godly life. What a gift that is. Think about it for a minute. We don't have to go searching for anything else. We don't need anything to add anything else on. God has given us everything we need. And it's a wonderful gift. Now, this gift comes through our knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, we read in verse 3, who called us by his own glory and goodness. That, that's a description of God's character, God's glory and goodness. So let's look at verse 4. Through these, that's God's glory and goodness. He has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. It's a long sentence. Let's think about some of those key words for a minute. How do you think we could summarise that phrase, God's very great and precious promises? How do you think we could summarise that? We could, I think. It's the gospel, isn't it? It's the message of Jesus. God sending his one and only son to die for us on the cross. Uh, that's the gospel. It's the word of God, God's very great and precious promises. God's word written to us here. Now, we'll get to that, back to that in a moment. But when we trust in God's promises, when we trust in the gospel, we believe in God's son, then what it, it says next, we participate in the divine nature. Now, that's not some, that's not some mystical or weird sort of, you know, uh, spiritual stuff where we become like God or something like that. No, 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 no. Peter's picking up on a phrase that many of his readers would have understood. That the phrase is probably used in pagan temple worship, where uh, people worship some sort of God and they would participate in the divine nature at that temple, as they think they're doing that. Peter's redefining that phrase. And so what what it actually means is explained in the next verse, in the end of verse 4. Escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So when we participate in the divine nature, we're participating in God's nature. Godliness, you see? Uh, A godly nature. One that escapes the corruption of the world. That's that's being Christ-like, we could say. It's being like Jesus. We are escaping the corruption of the world caused by sin. I guess you could say we're growing in our faith. Now, in verse 5, there's a little phrase there that we've got to pick up on. For this reason. What does he mean? That is because of all that God has done and is doing in you, what we've just read in verse 3 and 4, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Now there's an appropriate response when someone gives you a precious gift, isn't there? If someone gives you a gift, there's, there's an appropriate response there. Now, if you're very close to that person, you might jump on them and give them a big hug and say, "Oh, thank you so much! That's wonderful, unreal, love it." You know, maybe if you're maybe relationally, if they're a bit further away, then uh, well, you might write them a card to say thank you for that gift. Um, you might send them a text. I don't know. Uh, there's a there's a daytime TV show called Ellen. Now I must admit, I don't watch Ellen. Um, if you've heard of it, Ellen Degeneres, this is American talk show host. But what she does, and there's a couple of YouTube clips of of these responses. What she does, she gives a gift to everyone in her studio audience. So if you go to, you know, that that day's um, show, uh, you get a, You you pretty much. It's expected that you'll get a gift. Now, uh, you know, it could be a toaster. It could be a, you know, a A microwave or a vacuum cleaner um, or it could be a car there's an episode this is on YouTube the the reaction in fact I've got a picture of it here we go there it is this is when everyone in the audience got a car they went nuts unbelievable and they were I guess they were very thankful Um, and they they they, 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 were ecstatic jumping around hugging each other this is fantastic and fair enough but there are also other people who were, who were plotting and scheming because they knew that if they sold the car, they'd get a whole wad of cash. How good is that? That would be me, by the way. Um, in fact, there's a funny thing going around. This is a bit of a... I'm going off my notes. It's dangerous. But there's a funny thing that, that what Ellen does, I read about this, that she, um, from time to time, uh, follows up on the people who were given these gifts. And from time to time, she catches them out, selling them on eBay. And she goes and buys them back without them knowing. She turns up, meets them, pretends she's someone else, turns up at their house to buy their vacuum cleaner, and there she is with cameras rolling. What are you doing with my gift? Selling it up, are you? Huh? <laughs> so watch out if you're ever on. The, the point is, of course, there's an appropriate response to being given a gift. Now, that, is a, that, that underlies the whole Christian life, doesn't it? Underline the whole Christian life is this principle of responding appropriately, appropriately to a gift. Now, what's that gift, of course? Well, it's Jesus. It's God's love and mercy, his grace and mercy for the gift of his son. God has done so much for us that we long. We long to respond appropriately. But how do we do that? How do we respond appropriately to God's gift of his, of his son, Jesus? What could we ever bring to God that he would ever need? Oh, nothing, of course. Nothing. Yet, in God's love and grace, God has told us how he wants us to respond to his love and grace. We said it on the screen there, Mark 12, verse 30, 31. Jesus sums up the law, our response to God's love and mercy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And then Jesus says the second is like it, love your neighbour as yourself. So back in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, Peter is saying that given all that God has done for us in calling us to himself, in giving us his precious promises in the gospel, it is for this reason that we should develop personal qualities that will reflect the response that Jesus desires. And the climax and summary of the, these is love. That's the last word on Peter's list in verse 7. So let's spend some time thinking about these growth qualities. They're up on the screen there, but before we go through each of them let's make a few little points. Uh, we had a great youth event on, um, on Friday night. Uh, we joined a whole bunch of other youth ministries down the coast um, for a a big combined youth meeting, um, and it was great fun. There was probably about seven, eight hundred people there, uh, different youth groups, and so on. The speaker did a great job. Um, he was interviewed at the start, and he was asked, "What's the hardest thing about following Jesus?" Well, if you're a Christian, what, what would you, how would you answer that? What's the hardest thing about following Jesus? This was his answer, and I think he's right. It was, it was certainly, uh, I, I agree with it. I, I, understood it he said the hardest thing to following Jesus is saying no to worldly desires and temptations sinful desires which may well make you more comfortable and may make life a little easier and maybe more fun but saying no to those worldly desires and instead saying yes to Jesus he said that's the hardest thing about following Jesus I agreed actually I think I think he's right that is that is really hard isn't it in fact it takes effort takes effort to follow Jesus And Peter talks a lot about that effort to follow Jesus. It's a common theme. Uh, It's the same word, and if you look at 1 verse 10, if you've got your Bibles open there, it's translated eager in our um, our NIVs, our church Bibles. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort, or be all the more eager, to confirm your calling election. For if you do these things, you'll never fail, and you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. I want to jump around a couple of verses around here, verses 8 and 9. See, verse 8 says, "Making And making the effort will mean growing and being effective and productive followers of Jesus. As we learn increasingly how to live for him, uh, being moulded and shaped to be more like Jesus, demonstrating increasing measure as we follow these qualities in verse 7. Now, in verse 9, things get a little... They get pretty serious here. Verse 9, he says, what about if we don't make the effort? He he says we need to make the effort, God says. Uh, Not making the effort in these things is described as forgetting. Have a look at it. Verse 9, forgetting that you've been cleansed from past sins. I guess we could say forgetting the gospel, forgetting God's precious, very great and precious promises. In fact, he goes on to say... Uh, that it's, it's this person is nearsighted or um, short-sighted and blind. That is, when we forget God's gospel, when we forget God's very great and precious promises, when we forget that we've been cleansed from our past sins, his forgiveness, it's like we're short-sighted. We only just see what's in front of us. That's what he means. We're not seeing the road ahead. We're not even looking toward the road ahead. We're not looking to change. We're not looking to go forward. We're not seeing beyond today. We're not looking to growth at all. We're just here now and we're forgetting what God's done for us in the past so that we can become more and more like Jesus. There's no sense of the road ahead, no sense of becoming more like Jesus. Looking forward to what's ahead is missing. It's a spiritual blindness. And Peter writes here that we ought to make every effort to avoid it every effort. Now we're going to get to this list in a minute, I promise, in verse 7. Uh, but before we do, let's, let's remind ourselves of something, just in case we're thinking that it's all up to me, I can't do it. Oh, it's so hard. Because you could be thinking that. Don't forget verse 3. In verse 3 we read that it's God's power that gives us everything we need for life and godliness. It's God's power that gives us That growth. So we don't look to ourselves to grow and mature. We don't look to our own strength. Instead, what we ought to do is rely on God, stay close to Him, and look to His strength. Uh, Paul talks about in Galatians five the fruits of the Spirit, and He as part of our life because we that we must keep in step with the Spirit since we live with the Spirit. It's the same idea here. We're relying on God's power. And so we keep in step with God's spirit. He's put in us as Christians and we live by the spirit. So the Christian life of response to Christ means that we live by the spirit, moving forward with the divine power he's given us, seeking to be the people that God's called us to be, making every effort to confirm our calling and election. We're to become what we are in Christ. So there's great comfort there. Depend on Jesus, be close to him, and by God's power, you'll grow in your faith. I could stop there, I suppose, couldn't I? That would be a good way to stop. Um, but let's look at this list. We won't, we won't go through it too quickly, but uh, to, we, we, we will go through it quickly, I should say. So, uh, it's back to verse 7. What are these qualities that Peter mentions? It's not an exhaustive list, he just, and some of them are repetitive, and some of them sum up some other things too. So the first one, the first one is goodness. Uh, remember, this was an attribute of God right at the start. and of Jesus. As we grow to be more like Jesus, we live lives that are morally upright. I think that's part of what goodness is. Our goodness means we stand out from the crowd. Knowledge is the next one. So what we add to our faith, goodness. We add to goodness, knowledge. What's this knowledge? Well, knowledge is is a mind that's developing and discerning. One that sees what is good and honours God and acts on it. That's what discernment is, isn't it? something we ought to pray for regularly. We could look at it the other way, it's, it's discernment is also one a mind that, that recognizes and sees bad stuff and evil and avoids it. That's what discernment is. It's wisdom. We ought to pray for it and ask God to give it to us. Uh, it shows growth. it shows our faith in Jesus. It's, it's real knowledge. What we add to knowledge we, is self-control. Now, I think Peter adds this in because I guess a little like knowledge, self-control is something these false teachers he warns about do not have. Now, a big theme in 2 Peter is false teaching. He warns these churches, don't listen to these false teachers. They will infiltrate your church and like a cancer, destroy a church. So watch out. Um, In 1 Peter, it was really mostly about staying strong under persecution. That's a summary, I suppose. They're still being persecuted, these churches that Peter writes to, uh, but now the focus is on these false teachers. So he says, well, these false teachers, they show no self-control at all. Uh, Whereas if you're a follower of Jesus, you've got to show self-control. These false teachers, look at 2 verse 2, they follow shameful ways and are greedy. These uh, false teachers are slaves of depravity. They're following their own evil desires. In 3 verse 3, So self-control means you're you're saying no because Jesus is boss. That's what self-control is, isn't it? He created you. He knows what's best for you. You trust him. It might clash with culture, but you trust Jesus over culture. He's the one one who can give you life to the full, so we trust him. That means Christians say no to drinking and drinking too much alcohol and getting high because it affects our self-control. We resist sex outside of marriage because we know that marriage is the best place for sex. That's what the Bible says. Uh, To be self-controlled is to hold your tongue. Um, To be self-controlled is to hold your tongue and not just tell it like it is. You know that phrase that gets thrown around a lot these days? Um, it's, It's what many, many people are proud of. Oh, she just tells it like it is. In other words, she's rude Well, he's rude. He offends people, but that's okay because she tells it like it is. No, that's not the way of Jesus. No, we're self-controlled because our words matter and we want to love. Perseverance, that gets added on as well. Um, We remain faithful even when it's tough. Even when we go through difficult things, we keep going. Withstanding temptation and continuing on so that we don't fall. We've got to work on that. And that's an effort too, isn't it? Peter's right. Uh, It's getting to the end of the race that matters most. These words in 2 Peter, we think, are Peter's last words. There is dying words. Uh, we read before, um, Jackson read it before from 2 Samuel, David's last words. Here's Peter's last words. We can see them there in verses, I have a look at verse um, 13. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in this tent of this body because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I'll make every effort to see uh, that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. It's interesting his dying words are not remember me, but they're remember Jesus. Isn't that? He wants them to remember these things. Nothing about himself. Remember Jesus. They're his dying words. In other words, keep going. Keep remembering Jesus. Persevere. Uh, you know... You read about people who do those marathon events, marathon swims or running a marathon. It's getting to the end that matters, isn't it? You hear about people swimming the English Channel. In fact, there's a great story um, uh, of... Curly, you might know the actual name of this guy. Who's the guy who, who swam around the UK? What was his name? You follow him on Instagram? Of course you do. Um, <laughs> but it, what an amazing feat. I can't, we can't remember his name. But, but um, it, 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 Ross. Ross. Edgeley, there you go. Incredible. Uh, and the things he went through are very similar to people who crossed the English Channel as well, although it's a lot, lot longer. Um, but they go through all sorts of trials. They, they've got to cope with jellyfish. They've got to cope with waves and tides and currents and, and weather and all the rest of it. All sorts of things to get to the end. But what matters is they get to the end. Uh, that's perseverance, isn't it? And it takes effort. It's hard to keep going. Being a Christian sometimes is hard. It takes effort. I wonder. Um. I wonder here's a quickly. We've done a few quizzes today. This one doesn't involve an answer from you out loud. Um. But I wonder. I was thinking. I was thinking about what are the what are the what periods of life would you say are the hardest to keep following Jesus? Or let me rephrase that. What periods of life are the times in life where it's easiest to fall and slip away from church from following Jesus? Ever thought about that? Now, what areas in life are really difficult? I think it's worth talking about. I think it's actually really important to talk about. Uh, something you must talk about. When, when is it most hard? Now, there's probably a bit of debate about it. Here's my two cents worth. Now, I'm 45, so I haven't been a Christian... Uh, for as long as some of other people in this room but I reckon here's my two tell me if I'm wrong later on especially some of you guys who are a bit older than me but I think leaving school is one of those times when you become a young adult Uh, all of a sudden and parents, we didn't know this all of a sudden, grandparents as well (laughs) there's freedom and temptation to do whatever you want to do really, it's at your fingertips it's very easy Most young Christians, if they're going to stop following Jesus, they stop following Jesus at that age. That's the age. Now, that's something we talk about a lot in our youth ministry as well because we want to prepare them for that age. I reckon that's one of them, leaving school, being a young adult. Uh, The other one, I think, now I might be wrong, and I'm okay to talk about it because there's no real correct answer here, but the other one surely is young families. Now, as I look around the room, most of our young families aren't here today. Um, now, not, don't, that's no judgement, by the way. It just happens to be. Sometimes things happen, and that's okay. But when you're a young family, young kids, uh, and we, we ought to, if, if you've moved past this period in life, this is a period in life where you've got to encourage those young families. You've got to really pray for them and help them as best you can. Um, look after them, encourage them. But when you're a young family, you're tired, you know, you're... you're you're, you're really busy um, and and you're tired and and you're exhausted and you're tired. Um, (laughs) Remember, some of you? You are. Um, And it's just so much easier to not bother, you know, to not make the effort. Church becomes once every two weeks, then it's once a month and slowly but surely it's just easier not to come at all. Uh, getting out during the week for a small group, for a community group, Bible study, well, it's hard. It takes coordination with dinner. Who's going to look after the kids? You know, you've got all these questions to go through. It means less sleep because we're tired. Anyway, just stop that. Um, <laughs> still getting over it. Um, friends, I want to make a promise to you. Uh, I think this is something I can do this. Being, if you're in a young family, being a young family won't last forever. This is something we need to remind our young families of. It won't last forever. It won't be like this forever. They do eventually sleep through the night. Um, but your decisions now, as parents, will have lasting consequences, eternal consequences. So I want to say you don't become a statistic in Graham's most dangerous periods of life for Christians list. <laughs> um, being like so many young families before you who do slip away, we've got to look after our young families. Uh, I want to say to those young families, persevere with Jesus, persevere with, with church, growing in Jesus during this time. And then as we read before, you can look forward to a rich welcome into God's kingdom which will last forever. Well, let's, let's go back to this list. Uh, I think we're up to godliness. There we go. It's one of those all-embracing um, virtues And uh, we've talked about it a bit last week and this week as well. Next one's brotherly kindness. You remember that from last week. This picks up from where we were in 1 Peter 3, verse 8. Peter says to these churches, love as brothers. In other words, he's saying love as a family. Learning to love the Christian community, whoever walks in those doors, we said. It's a vital part of Christian growth. We don't pick and choose God's church. God chooses his church. We just love the people who come through the door. And finally, love. Well... That binds them all together, the Apostle Paul says. Uh, it's the ultimate mark of a Christian who's growing. We love more and more. You, you've probably heard of the, the phrase an armchair critic. Uh, an armchair critic, it's usually in relation to sport, but not always. It can be lots of other things as well. It's the person who sits back and just spectates, You know, watches the highlights on TV after a busy day at work. Now, many, many Christians treat their Christian faith this way. It, it, it hardly, if at all, relates to their day-to-day life. At best, it's something that involves them from an armchair at the end of the day when they offer up a short prayer. Peter here is adamant there can be no armchair Christians. Now, how do we go about making sure that doesn't happen? What's the means of growth? Well, let me get onto this pretty quickly. Uh, the means of growth, of course, is the Word of God. And This wonderful passage that we're not going to spend anywhere near as much time on as we should uh, is verses sort of fifteen to, to twenty. Let's um, let's read those verses. And I'll make a quick comments, a couple of quick comments, and then we'll um, wrap up. Actually, we'll go from verse sixteen. So Peter says here uh, to these churches who are scattered around modern-day Turkey, we do not follow cleverly invented stories when we were told about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now it says we, it's probably Peter, James and John, who were there at the Transfiguration, which is mentioned in a few verses time. So we do not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty for Hebrews received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is the transfiguration, Uh, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when when we were with him on that sacred mountain. Verse 19, And we have the word of prophets made more certain, and you would do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns, And the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by a prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So, Peter's talking about what we know as the Bible. The Scriptures, they're the Word of God, they're from God, they're God breathed, as Paul puts it. They're not cleverly invented human stories but accounts of eyewitnesses. The scriptures didn't come about by a prophet like Moses or Elijah or something like that, by his own interpretation or his own will, but they came about like the apostles. They came about by men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The theological term is the inspiration of scripture, that God used uh, fallible, imperfect human beings like us to write down his perfect infallible word. It's, why we, it's one reason why we can trust the Bible. So, friends, put simply, the, the means to grow up in our precious faith is knowing our Bibles. You see, if you want to grow as a Christian, well, you need to eat well. Now, I'm not talking about following the five food groups. That's important. But we must be fed well in God's word. It's then we'll trust in God's power. It's then we'll remember that he's cleansed us from our sin. It's then we'll be firmly established in the truth so when false teaching comes, we'll spot it and avoid it. It's then we'll be well fed in God's word. It's when we're well fed in God's word, we'll gain in wisdom and discernment. We'll make less mistakes. (laughs) We'll recognise sin and instead we'll honour God. So get to know God's Word, and you'll grow strong. It's the means of growth. Read your Bible as often as you can. Uh, I like reading guides. If you're if you're wondering where to start and how to do it, well, uh, reading guides are really good. Um, so Matthias Media, that's the publication Christian public um, publishing company. Got it. They produce some great ones. Um, if you. are Want to talk to me afterwards? I can point some to you. I've got some spares you're going to have if you want to. Um, I've sort of finished with them. Uh, Scripture Union do really good little reading notes. I know a number of our our people here use those. Um, Read with a friend. Read with a friend and say, let's read Philippians this week or whatever, and we'll have coffee at the end of the week and we'll chat about it together. That sounds like a great plan, doesn't it? Um, I would say, don't try too much, Uh, don't eat too much too quickly because you get indigestion. Um, <laughs> but you know we I mean? We, we don't, don't start at Leviticus and read it all in one day and, and think you'll be fine. Um, it's hard going. It takes work. Uh, read your Bible more and more. Um, Taste and see that the Lord is good, Psalm 34 says. What about committing to a small group, committing to a community group? I know it's hard to do that. We're busy people. Um, they're the heart of our pastoral care, community and, and discipleship. It's where we spur one on towards to be more like Jesus. So, so if you're not in a small group, a community group, sign up for one. Use the comment card. Let us know you want to be in one and we'll put you in one. Um, and not only should we commit to those smaller gatherings, but of course we've got to commit to this one too because this is where we're fed. This is where we get to love and serve one another. It's the heart of those things. I want to say make the most of sermons. Do that as best you can. I'm a fan of writing notes down. I know some of you aren't and that's okay. Um, But do your best to to listen and remember. Uh, Have your Bible open. That's always important to do. Lately um, I've been uh, learning a fair bit about roses. And uh, Ian and Sandra Wallace have been helping me greatly with this. In fact, they've just been... They've been doing it and I've been watching them, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> I know that if, if I want them to grow strong and healthy, a couple of things I now know need to happen with my roses. Okay, I've got two down the front there and there's some out the back, but I ignore them. Um, so, now I'm not really a green thumb, I'm, but my thumb has got dirty sometimes. Does that help? I'm told, the first thing, that you need to prune roses and that reduces disease. Second, it gets more light in because they like light. Who doesn't like light? Um, (laughs) And it encourages circulation. I've got no idea what that means. Not at all. But I'm told that's what has to happen. Ian and Sandra tell me. So they come and prune my roses. And the roses grow better because of it. Now friends, I'm wondering today if God is pruning you so that you can grow. It's cutting off the rubbish you can discard and leave behind so that you can grow. That's the first thing. But you also need to fertilise. So Ian and Sandra gave me these, this wonderful bag of rose fertiliser. It smelled horrific and the dog loved it. <laughs> mm, this is delicious. Um, Never let dogs lick you, you know, what they're eating. And actually the chickens liked it too, for that matter. But I believe some of it, I believe some of it was left behind and the roses did enjoy it. The fertiliser is the feed they need and so they grew. Now I pray today, and we'll pray in a minute, that you too will be well fed by God's word. That you've heard the word of God and now using the words of Jesus, we, we put those words into practice and we grow because of it. How about I pray and ask God to uh, help us to grow in our precious faith. Let's pray. Let's pray, Father. We uh, we thank you for uh, the very great and precious promises you've given us in the gospel. Lord, we thank you uh, for your word today. We pray that we would hear it, that we'd put it into practice. Lord, if pruning was needed today, we pray that you would prune us so that we can grow. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to feed us in your word, that we can remain strong and healthy, continue to grow, and become more like your Son, Jesus. Amen. We're going to sing in a moment, uh, but. Um